lots and lots to like from Wrigley Field last night, but nothing better than seeing Mitch Keller achieve a very real and significant goal. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Pirates 13, Cubs 7. And yes, it takes 13 runs to overcome the damage that Ian Happ does to this team. It's insane. I mean, I know he's from here and everything, but wow. Grand slam, double, all kinds of it's just the the dude hits 248 for the season. He's got to be hitting 091 against everybody else. It's incredible. But along the way, even though his finish didn't go so great, Keller picked up his 200th strikeout. And, you know, I just love hearing from a starting pitcher still identifying with old school goals. Now, I'm not some old school obsessive. In fact, I tend to cringe at about 99% of that sort of thing. But a starting pitcher still should be someone who wants to take the ball, who demands to take the ball every fifth day to be there for their team, to be there into September, to be there, gasp, into October if needed. And Mitch had set for himself two goals in 2023 from a personal standpoint. That's not to say that they were the goals that were set above team goals or anything like that. Just goals for himself. 200 strikeouts, 200 innings. If he were to achieve those, then chances would have been very, very good. You'd think that he's having a very good season, and on top of that, that the Pirates would be having a very good season. Well, they had a very good season for a month, and he just kept going. And along the way, he hit the 200 strikeout goal last night at Wrigley. Again, even though he didn't pitch particularly great, giving up six runs. And he is now, if you happen to be a believer, someone who values his other goal at 188 and a third innings. Now, the Pirates have 10 games left, as I'm speaking, which means, I mean, there is a chance he could get two more starts. Now, do you weigh that against possible risk of whatever because it's September, these games don't mean anything? I think they will. I think they will. I think Derek Shelton will. If you were watching carefully last night, you might have noticed that when Shelton went out to take the ball from Mitch, and boy, did Mitch need to have the ball taken from him at that point. Mitch had the ball out to hand it to Shelton, and Shelton didn't take it. He didn't accept it. There was a conversation instead. And after the conversation, and only then, did Shelton take the ball. Shelton's going to want this for Mitch as much as Mitch is going to want it. Here's what Mitch had to say after the game about the 200th strikeout. Um, man, it means a lot. Uh, I just 
a lot of hard work, um, perseverance, man. I've been up and down through my career and uh, just through this year as well. So, um, yeah, just uh, a lot of good things, a lot of good coaching. Um, you know, having Hedgy, Hedges there started us off, and then Delay, and then Andy. I mean, it's been uh, those guys have been awesome back there with like pitch calling, game planning. Um, there's a lot more than me just throwing the ball that goes into it than um, than just myself. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty cool accomplishment for me, but also for everybody else that was involved in that. I'll say it again. Good for him. Good for him because. This is what you, – you don't just want this in a starting pitcher. You need it. You need it in at least two or three of the people in your rotation. You need to have at least that many who are willing to take up the innings like that, to continue throwing hard even when they don't necessarily feel like their best selves. Six months of starting pitching is going to wear almost anybody down. But he gets this far into September. He's still throwing strikes. He's still pitching aggressively. He's still getting outs. And he's still ready to take the ball for more. As he had told me just before leaving on this road trip, he sees all of this in a way as preparing him for future Octobers. As, as he put it when we spoke, if this team goes where we're all hoping it goes, I have to do this. I have to be ready for it. So he sees it almost as a stretching out process. Now, that, of course, would lead to the next question, which might not be as pleasant, which is who's going to join him? Who's going to join him? Because it can't just be him. And even if you have... Let's say a, a young pitcher come up, whether it's uh, Jared Jones, whether it's you know Mike Burrows once he's healthy, or it's a young pitcher bouncing back from a 2023 that didn't go the way he wanted, like a Rowanzi Contreras, like a Luis Ortiz. They're all going to need to be stretched out in the same way. They're all going to need to have that time. Think about this. To be ready and available without endangering their health into September and October. Or you gotta go sign some people who already are when we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone. An eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike. Your computer. Your gun. 
Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Chris, who asks, BK, are the endless lineup changes just experimentation on Derek Shelton's part, or is there some method to this madness? Chris, I, I can't even hazard a guess at how old you are and how long you've been paying attention to baseball. Most of the people who seemed bothered by the constantly, and by that I mean every single day, changing of lineups tend to be older because they're going to harken back to a time when it was the same eight guys, not nine, the same eight before the DH penciled into the lineup. Occasionally, you'd see a you know, a, a change here or there for a left-right matchup. And then, of course, there's the trademark Sunday lineup a manager would use in order to buy one of their more regular guys a couple of days of rest, meaning they'd have Sunday off and then the team would be off Monday. And, you know, there's a part of me that believes that Shelton would like nothing more than to do exactly that. In fact, if you step back from it and look at the lineups that he's put out over the whole summer, you will see that Brian Reynolds tends to stay in the same spot, and he plays a lot by modern standards. You'll see that Brian Hayes, yeah, he's moved to lead off and then a little lower, but that was more of a reflection of his either A, performance, or B, injury status, nursing that back. But when you see Key going the way he's gone lately, and he had three more hits last night at Wrigley, you're going to see him find a home. You know why? Because he's earned it. Andrew McCutcheon, for the most part, didn't get moved around. Again, there was a period where he was slid up to leadoff because there was just nobody else doing it. Carlos Santana had a spot. You can see the pattern here. If you have players who are worthy of being on a lineup card day after day after day, if they show themselves to be equally efficient or at least close to equally efficient against both righties and lefties, then they're on the card and you don't have to move things around as much. So I really wouldn't think of this so much from the manager's standpoint. I wouldn't even think of it from the experimentation standpoint. My guess is that, although you didn't bring this up, that you're asking about Josh Palacios leading off last night. Well, Palacios is nobody's idea of a prototypical leadoff hitter. But no one else is in this lineup either. And don't give me Ji-Hwan Bay just because he's fast or whatever. That, again, is an old-school concept. There's no one on this team who's consistently a high enough on-base percentage guy that you would say, wow, that, that individual just has to be right at the top. 
that individual just leaves us no choice but to have him go first and then put Reynolds in after that and so forth. Doesn't exist. It's not here. So it doesn't really matter then who hits leadoff. Now, Palacios, of course, hits the three-run homer last night, but that's not a product of being at leadoff. It's just a nice little asterisk I can throw in. The answer to your question is the Pirates don't have that many guys who are deserving of being out there every day, much less in some sort of anointed slot. Maybe that'll start to form next year. Maybe you'll see those types of slots set up for Andy Rodriguez. Henry Davis, Leo Verpaguero, maybe a little further down in the order, Jack Sawinski. Right now, no, no. I appreciate the question, though. It's a really, really good one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Going to do another one of these tomorrow. 